All right, back like we never left. It is the 16th episode of the Scoreboard Podcast. And I told you the last time we had this sort of episode that will make it as frequent as possible. And uh, as part of ways of fulfilling that promise, we're back like we never left. Uh, so sorry to everyone. We I think we've not been around for close to one month now. Yeah, we've not been around for close to one month. We never meant it that way. We got carried away with the... Dead to December, albeit <laughs> <laughs> not really dead. See, and we missed a lot of things, chief of which is uh, the Lukaku's uh, saga. It was very, very interesting and yet sad for a lot of Chelsea fans. Things still not going well for Manchester United despite signing Ralph Rangnick. Well, good to be back in your ears again. Welcome once again. My name is Ola Olua and Marshall is here. Yeah, thank you very much, Alaloa. It's been a pleasure, you know, having to wait this long. But then, at the end of the day, I guess it's all well that ends well. And as to the listeners, it's nice to be in your ears once again. And I hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as you've enjoyed the last 15 episodes. All right, let me just use this medium to say Happy New Year to you and yours. And uh, we have a lot planned for you this year, 2022. It is a World Cup year. And uh, it is happening at the end of the year instead of the middle of the year like we used to have it. It is happening going down in Qatar. In Africa, we still don't know those who would be going to uh, the World Cup. But one thing is certain, we have AFCON just upon us right now. Back in time for AFCON is the title of this episode. And uh, we talk about everything AFCON. Let's start from the little tournament tag that uh, really, really trended for a couple of weeks uh, from judging club and the that African journalist <laughs> uh, who really went out for club uh, that he called the AFCON a little tournament. Let me just have, I think we've not had this conversation on the podcast. Is AFCON really a little tournament? Well, I'm not really sure if we had it, if we had a conversation or not, but I think I, I, I was understanding where Jurgen club was coming from because granted, AFCON is not exactly the biggest of tournaments, but then it's not exactly small when you're looking at uh, tournament rankings after the World Cup, you have the European Championships. After the European Championships, you have the Copa America. And after the Copa America, we used to have the Confederations Cup, then the AFCON. But since the Confederations Cup has been scrapped, we now have the AFCON. And then, you know, all other tournaments that follow the Asian Cup, the Olympics football, yeah. the Gold Cup, and what have you. But then, at the end of the day, when it comes to ranking major continental competitions, AFCON still ranks third after that of Europe, which is the European Championships, and that of South America, which is Copa America. Copa America. So calling it little is not club was not supposed to call it little, but then I feel like it was lost in translation. You know, when you're not a native speaker and then you want to be sarcastic or you want to you want to have fun or you uh, okay. want to just more, play along. More like, more like oh, there, there is uh, something we should be expecting in oh oh, there is nothing in January oh. There's a little tournament somewhere. Yeah, More I, like it shouldn't take that much time and uh, our players will be back. I, I think that's where Klopp is coming from. I feel like he was coming from the fact that everybody acted like it was non-existent. You know, it's just like yeah. playing against Man United and they're asking you, how do you deal with the threat of Ronaldo? How do you deal with the threat of Bruno? 
how do you deal with the threat of Pogba? How do you deal with, deal with the threat of, um, say, Luke Shaw? And then the manager of the opposing side is, oh, there's a little player called Ronaldo somewhere that you've hmm. actually not mentioned. You yeah, know, yeah. It's almost like you're acknowledging that he is a big problem, but the fact that you're not talking about it, you're making it sound like it's actually a little Oh, there's problem. a Ronaldo somewhere that you're not exactly. talking about. You Maybe not really little. little like, yeah. oh, there's a Ronaldo in the picture too. That you're not talking about. Yeah. So, you know, it's that for me, you know, of course, people, people see things in different ways. So that was where I felt like he was coming at it from. But then, you know, there's this thing that comes with sensationalism that if you've not screamed at people, if you've not told them how offended you were, or if you've not let them know how unruly their actions or their decisions or their words were, you won't feel satisfied. And, you know, it's, of course, most times often for the clout. It's often for that culture, you know, the PC yeah, culture. Yeah. Everyone wants to feel offended. Everyone wants to feel aggrieved. Like everyone wants to feel like you're so that you can blackmail Exactly. You know, <laughs> emotional blackmail, which often is yeah. really, really not necessary. So, it's, th- it's something that happens time and again. I think we saw it also with the Baba when the Romanian referee yeah. was just speaking his own yeah. language, yeah. was accused of racism. Yeah. I mean, do you expect yeah. me to change my language on the fly you know but then it's something like i said happens a lot of the time people are just people everywhere looking for things to get offended by things to you know get muscled off by and it doesn't always have to be that way i think that episode with dungeon club started something which would go on to almost lead to the cancellation of the africa cup of nations european club association came up clubs started asking their players will you play will you not play journalists started asking players to the point diane wright actually came out to say that everything uh, as far as the conversation for the afghan is concerned has been tinged in his words right now with racism and he called everybody out but i think as far as publicity is concerned we've never had it this good sky sports will be showing off with two games same for bbc I- i'm not sure it's been this good for african football let's look at the build up to the tournament and how clubs were reluctant i think by now we should be used to it that if you're signing an african player you've signed up to be losing this player once every two years to play right there at his international uh, tournament when it's not an international break or an international window so i don't understand why we have to go this route again it took senegal back and forth before they could uh, allow ismail Assad to join them nigeria we weren't successful with uh, capturing emmanuel dennis from watford and look at what happened to Audio Nigalo to Al Shabab and everything built up to this tournament, especially as it regards the participation of the players. Well, I think at the end of the day, it just merely reinforces what people thought Klopp was talking about. Yeah. You know, because you would not tell me that you're not going to release your player for the World Cup or for the European Championships. I mean, I mean, the, the World Cup is even holding at a very odd time right yeah. now and the leagues are going to stop whether they like it or not yeah so that's to show the press that's to show the level that the world cup is currently at so whether we like it or not this the thing is that these people they don't read this thing and secondly because it's happening mid-season unlike most of their tournaments so that's why yeah. you know it's just like having a carabao cup game most clubs don't send their big players for the Carabao Cup games. They send their small players for the Carabao Cup. If you're, if you're but on clubs, the side, clubs you know, on a Club World Cup, and uh, they they even postpone league games because of Club World Cup. I know it's an it's yeah. a, 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 another ball game entirely, but we can factor it into this conversation. You know, it's, it's also it's, it's interesting you mentioned the Club World Cup because I remember when I was going through a lot of historical stuff, and it turns out that in 1999. When Sir Alex Ferguson's Man United won the uh, treble, they were supposed to play in the Club World Cup and it was going to clash with the FA Cup. 
and guess which one they picked? They picked the Club World Cup. Hmm. In 2019, yeah. when again club side had a clash, they were supposed to play Aston Villa. Aston I think. Villa, yeah. yeah. In the in the club, I think it was in the in the FA, FA Cup, Cup too. Yeah. And they decided they sent the young boys. They sent the young boys. Yeah. You know, so at the end of the day, they know which one matters more for them on the scale of priorities. If the, the club World Cup where you can actually win a trophy and have that gold stamp on your badge for the next yeah. 365 days, or the FA Cup where you might even get eliminated in the next round after you qualify. So just for the prestige of I mean, uh, the oldest club competition in the in which the whole almost world. no one really cares about <laughs> outside England, you know. So at the end of the day, for most clubs, they have to pick what matters to them, and it's the same thing when it comes to tournaments too. So that's why I said, you know, I think this was also one of the reasons why CAF decided to move the uh, AFCON from the winter belt to the summer belt. But then when FIFA came up with the idea of having their own Club World Cup, which would rival the Champions League, and then they brought the tournament to the summer, and then they had to cancel the FIFA Confederations Cup. Cup for it, they requested that CAF move back to that winter slot. And if you're saying you move back to that but winter FIFA slot... But FIFA did not come to CAF's rescue right now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So if, you, if you're telling CAF to... That's why I feel like CAF themselves are not... Patting themselves, they're not putting themselves. They're not man enough. Honestly, honestly, <laughs> you, you, you have to because at the end of the day, you have to take this to FIFA. Yeah, like you were the ones who told us to move from this slot to this time slot, so you have to tell this. It has to be enforced. But, but let's not forget the summer period too in Africa. In some parts, it can be very temperate, and in some parts, it is very rainy. The, I mean, yeah, the, the, the summer parts Definitely. in Africa. That, I think that was why the, yeah. the tournament has been held most often in uh-huh. January. So I, I think too for uh, the 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 weather condition, it's not really favorable to for that June July slot. Yes, definitely. And it's the thing is, it's not only in Africa that we host our tournaments. Then in Asia, the Asian Cups happen early in the early part of the year. That's in in winter. That's for the Europeans. So it's not like it's only Africa, but because we have a lot of players who play yeah. their trades in these top leagues and who are actually like watched players. Yeah. I mean, there was a FIFA Arab Cup recently. Yeah. Players from Morocco were there or Algeria were there. Nobody, nobody parted an eyelid because, yeah. I mean, nobody cares who played in the Arab Although Cup. Although most of those coaches fielded home-based players too. Yeah, home-based players from their own leagues. And you see, we don't really rate our own local leagues like so that in Africa. Same way, it's the same way we don't rate those local leagues <laughs> that those guys don't rate our own tournament. So it's it's a cycle that we have ended up pursuing, but we're, we're the ones who created that circle, that culture, and we expect them not to reciprocate. I mean, there are a lot of people who get real mad peace that they're not going to be watching Salah and Mani, who are Africans. Yeah play for their favorite club because they're Liverpool yeah. players or yeah. they're Liverpool fans, yeah. you know. There are a lot of players, there are a lot of Chelsea fans who are going to be angry that Kepa would be in goal instead of Mendy. Yeah. You know, they're Africans too. Probably Nigerians True. even or Senegalese True. even True. who want to see the best for their own country. I but mean, they rank their for own For Leicester club City sides. right now, they'll be missing Wilfred in Didi. Yeah. For everything Wilfred in Didi means to them so that in that thing. I mean, look at, they just lost uh, Jamie Vardy to, to injury. Yeah, yeah. And they lost Iana Chos to the AFCON. Yeah. So you know what that would mean for them. Uh, if we had Leicester fans in Nigeria, who were like diehard Leicester fans, the way we have diehard United, Chelsea, Arsenal fans, you know, they would be really angry at the fact that we are losing these guys. I mean, we, we see what happens when Nigeria plays some established sides at the World Cup, probably yeah. in Argentina. Yeah. And then you're seeing Nigerians who really want Messi to win the World Cup, even if it means happening at the expense of our own nation. Okay. So at the end very, of the day, very recent example, Chelsea Leicester City in the FA Cup. Some were saying a Nigerian must win the FA Cup. <laughs> some were saying, I want to support my team. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of the day, it has to be... Conflict it, of interest you know, here and there. So if, if at first... 
if at the first instance we don't rate these tournaments, we don't rate these clubs, we don't rate these countries, there are a lot of Nigerians who will tell you they cannot remember the last time they saw an Afghan game or they saw yeah. a game played by Sparigles. Yeah. But they can tell you what happened eight years ago when their favorite club played their, their, uh, another club in, 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 in the particular competition. Yeah, yeah. So it's something that I feel like we are the ones that establish that, that culture. So when it's something that we've done time and again, you know, people who are not exactly members of our culture, they would reciprocate that. So it's whatever we've done, they're just going to continue. It's whatever we've done, they're just going to they're just going to pick up and you know probably vibrate or probably take a lot more uh, a lot louder than we have done all right this tournament has been postponed twice right now that the tournament is uh due to hold it looks like the omicron variant is wreaking havoc again some teams they have as high as 21 for gambia i don't know how they'll do it senegal it delayed their their yeah take off to the yeah, right. entry into cameroon and pure miracle bameyang has tested positive a lot of things that has to do with covid right now and let, let's just flash back to some competitions in africa the calf confederations cup and the calf champions league how teams were weaponizing covid 19 results to deal with their opponents well it's another ball game entirely now i hope that we not creep into this tournament yeah you know so many things that really should not be should not be said should not be mentioned you know you know when it comes to weaponizing you know it's just like uh you come to play the calf champions league game in my own nation yeah and then i tell you eight of your players have covid yeah. and i'm giving you the test like they actually yeah. have, COVID they have covid a day before the game they can play they can play you know <laughs> and these are things that ideally should not happen in yeah. a same world but then it's like i said it's it's part of the culture we've bred and so when we see people merely repeat what we say we're acting surprised like these are not the exact same things yeah. we say ourselves yeah so we, it's, we, it's, want it's to just, we want to just defend ourselves when it comes to others when it comes to external, us, yeah but we can actually abuse, abuse ourselves, ourselves like, you okay. know it's just like black on black <laughs> you can actually abuse themselves yeah, but then a yeah. white man then not say what a black man would say I to mean, his fellow black man. A, a black man can call you a nigger now. Yeah, of course. And you won't feel offended. Yeah. But if a white man does that. I mean, all hell breaks loose. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's really not, not, especially when it comes to something that is health, that has health implications. Because you don't know what it would mean for these players. We don't know. And it's not only uh, clubs and uh, countryside that are weaponizing. We saw it happen. We saw it almost happen with Victor Simen, where there were rumors that, there were a lot of rumors that maybe or something actually have COVID. COVID yeah. Maybe it's yeah. not just they want to release it. Yeah. And if they tell you he has COVID, he has COVID. I mean, it's 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 now become an easy way out. Yeah. If there's a game you think maybe we're not really well prepared for this game. Just release and COVID. Just, so then we have COVID. <laughs> when I think it was the, the game between Liverpool and Arsenal that was supposed to be held and then the first day there were a lot of COVID results then the next day there were a lot of positive COVID tests and then it was looking like maybe we're not ready for this game. Let's just write that just postpone our game just postpone yeah. our game and of course the game was postponed and yeah. then it becomes a case of when do you start to make covid the excuse for your probably lack of preparedness or probably yeah, yeah. you know s- several things uh, that, that could really happen and i feel it's the same thing with a major tournament there are several things that could happen players when they're together there has to be that camaraderie so if if they don't understand all together what's at stake they could easily be sidetracked you know we've heard rumors of a player has been at tournaments and then inviting ladies of the night to join mm-hmm. them in mm-hmm. in the clubs mm-hmm. or in the in the hotel rooms sneaking them in probably through the back door yeah. or in conjunction with the managers and these are things that could have long-term implications not just for themselves but, but then for the, for the other members of the team so imagine if someone contracts uh 
the disease or through through that means and yeah. then it's something that he doesn't really know about and then he's done eating with his teammates and he's done sharing and then they have the test probably in the afternoon and then probably half of the squad already have the virus and then he has to start nitpicking who what who it was what happened and then going through cameras and going through all of those things and not only is the team's really broken but then they are literally not going to compete so these are things that ideally if it's a team that understands what's at stake and really knows why they're there some things should not be happening. But then, whether I would like it or not, some of these things would happen. It could really not be from them. It could be from the opposition team and then probably play against the team and then four of them have COVID. They really don't know yet and then they transfer it and then it becomes a thing. Everyone now has ha- has the virus. What then do we do? Do we just stop the tournament halfway? I think there was a tournament that was that was threatened to, to, to end halfway. I think it was in tennis. I think it was um, Novak Djokovic's ATP Cup that was held last year. Or tw- yeah, it was held last year, actually. It was held in 2021. So there were several games that were to be played, but then because players kept contracting the virus, yeah. players kept contracting the virus, it had to be postponed. And then eventually nothing happened because it's a tournament. You have only 28 players. So if you have 18 of your players uh, coming down with the virus, okay, you have only 10 players. Virus, and yeah. you can't feel 10 players. You yeah. have to have 10 players. You have to have 11 players, of course, starting the game. And you have to have seven players on the bench. And it's not like a, a club side where you can't have players from academy the academy players, supplement yeah. them. You can't, you can't bring in players after uh, the list uh, has been done. So if two teams don't have team, uh, don't have complete players, who's going to forfeit the game? You know, so are, are we going to disqualify both teams? So there are so many things that I feel this is where the maturity of players should come in, the professionalism of players should come in, and understanding of what's at stake and what needs to be done. All right, enough of the off-field issues built up to the AFCON. Let's uh, talk about the major issue right now. A lot of uh, teams who are going into the AFCON to win. I mean, some they even told some people that if you don't win, return return, <laughs> return our money. The money spent on you. <laughs> and those ones are not even they're not even part of the conversation. And talking about teams in the conversation right now, you'd mention defending champions Algeria. Not much has changed. You would mention last finalists. I'm talking about Senegal. A lot have changed for Senegal. Sadio Mane was at the peak of his powers when he played at AFCON. Making it sound like Mane is 48 <laughs> already. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying he's old, but when you look at uh, what has happened to Yeah, of course, Mane, he was fresh off winning the Champions League yeah. at the time. He was really in the form of his life. Yeah. And talking about things changing, Edward Mendy was never in the picture the last time, but Edward Mendy is in the conversation of the best goalkeeper in the world right now. Kalidou Koulibaly was the toast of Europe when they got to the final, but you can't say the same for Kalidou Koulibaly right now. And they were even fresh off from everything they achieved right there at Russia 2018 heading into the AFCON in 2019. Look at Egypt. Mohamed Salah will be carrying the weight of that team on. Uh, He's back. He's done a lot in the last one year he seems to I can't stop scoring in recent years they've not been the Egypt we used to know in the early 2000s when they dominated Africa even with home-based players let's also talk about Cameroon they really don't have much to bank on other than the home advantage even the organizers have decided to cap attendance for 80% capacity for games involving Cameroon and 60% capacity for other teams let's also talk about the Super Eagles of Nigeria chopping and changing here and there. Victor Simen out. Odion Igalo who was looking to come and do the favor of a labor thing out. Paul Onoachu out. Emmanuel Dennis out. Who else again? <laughs> a lot of them out. Well, out. Yeah, but but as it stands, even for the Super Eagles, 
it still looks like we don't or we still have a couple of talents up front that can still challenge for that side. So one team I'm really looking out for in this tournament is Ivory Coast. It looks like they have this uh, golden generation after golden generation. I mean, without the class of uh, the Tory brothers, the Dead Drogba Jevino was the golden generation. But it looks like they have golden generation right now. Talk about Frank Kessie, obviously Milan. Talk about uh, Nicolas Pepe, Wilfred Zaha. A lot of players. Sebastian Halle. Yeah, Sebastian Halle of Ajax, who has said the Champions League are like this season. So, let, let's look at those top teams. Nigeria, Senegal, Cameroon, Egypt, Algeria. Maybe we can factor in uh, the Moroccans too. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of teams that could really win the AFCON and I think it just goes to show that we have not only more talent evenly distributed but then there are more teams more players who are doing well for themselves in the top tier leagues in Europe. I mean, before now, you'd really be, it'd be difficult to, apart from teams like Ghana and Ivory Coast that really had a lot of yeah. good players playing at a higher echelon of African football. Mostly players who used to play those games were either those playing in the back quarters of European football or home-based players, you know, coming to play their trades. But then we've seen that more and more we've seen not only players born in Europe opting to play for uh, the African origin. So we've seen it with uh, Hakim Ziyech, we've seen yeah. it with... Uh, Atraf Hakimi. Although that one is not going down. Yeah, of course, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be at the AFCON. He has a lot of issues <laughs> with the coach. And Halil Hodzic, which is the coach of the Algerian national team. But then there are a lot of really good players of the of the Moroccan national team, make a pardon. And it's it's something that you've seen happen with a lot of really, really good players opting to play for Nigeria. We've seen, there, were, there was a time when it was looking like Cyril Desert was not going to play for Nigeria, but then yeah. he opted to play for Nigeria. There was a time also when it was also looking like Alex will be back then. Will not know, play for Nigeria. Will not play for Nigeria. And so it's something that has happened time and again. And it's something, like I said, we've seen happening with several other players as well. And it's it's also nice because when when matters the most, we're going to be seeing a lot of these guys really do uh, something great for themselves. And, and we're seeing it happen with Algeria now because you look at the Algeria national side, they were decided that probably were not really that much hyped but then yeah. they started to have that culture the building of their players all together and then they were growing together and all of a sudden we were wondering where the Algeria come from they had this brilliant crop of guys of course led by Mares they had likes of Islam Slimani on board and yeah. they had that I real, think Benassa too yeah I think Benassa they had a real talent in, in that squad and we saw what they went on to do right there at the AFCON in 2019 and entering into this tournament I think a lot of people expected more from the Egyptians, not only at the World Cup in 2018, but subsequently since then, but they've really fractured to deceive. It's really more, it's really been more about Salah. And for the Egyptians, like you said, they used to be the terrors of Africa. Yeah. I mean, not only in with uh with the AFCON, but also in club football. I mean, yeah. you see yeah. them really dominating yeah. the, the, the African Al-Hali. football. Al-Hali with, with Al-Hali dominating the African footballing landscape. And it's it's kind of petered down now. The last time they won the AFCON was in 2010. And that's not exactly something... I mean, that's 12 years ago now. And with the way we have AFCON... Despite even hosting I mean, the last edition. Hosting the last edition. And that was, I think, one way a lot of people expected them to really I mean, do well. At. But then, unfortunately, uh, we know how that happened. So I feel like... For the AFCON, Senegal would also be one of the huge, huge favorites. But then you have to, you cannot discount the fact that the Nigerians would always be Nigerians. No, we would not be, we might not be in there to win it, but then I don't know if they would, would give in, would give in a shout. Should Nigerians be expectant? With the quality available to other sides, especially in attack, 
I really don't think they should be expecting a lot, considering the fact that we're missing out on those who could really have very chaotic preparations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those who could really have pushed that flag for us. I mean, if we had Osimen partnering Chukweze, partnering uh Emmanuel Dennis, Emmanuel Dennis, yeah, or even an Odion Igalo, you'd you'd expect a lot more from the side. But then, of course, don't disrespect the guys who are currently in camp. But then. You cannot you cannot put them all on the same scale when it comes to the level of performances that you're going to expect from these guys. So it's really been chaotic, and like you said, the preparations, chopping and changing of coaches. You know, Eguavon just coming out to say a lot of badass, talking about yeah. the kind of pressure on him. I mean, I mean, I, I, when he said he's under pressure, I was like, I'm like bro, nobody, nobody is putting you're putting yourself under pressure. You're putting yourself under pressure. Even if you win the tournament, your replacement is waiting for you. <laughs> like, I, I really don't understand why. He felt the need to come out and say that. I yeah. feel like you know he wants to really be in the media. So you know, if you don't make outrageous statements, nobody will yeah, really care yeah. about what you say. But then if you make a statement, he, should, like he, should, so, he has a lot to learn from Ganetra in that regard. Yeah, Ganetra was often very. He was miserly with his words, yeah, and yeah. he really, he really spoke a lot. And maybe it's also because he's not Nigerian, or maybe because he's not English is not his first language, so he <laughs> didn't want to be misunderstood. Yeah. Misinterpreted or yeah. misunderstood, so he just felt like just say the barest minimum and move on with it. We saw the whole uh, records that happened between himself and Emmanuel Dennis. How yeah. there were rumors that it was because of the issues that happened way back. That was why Emmanuel Dennis was never even in the discussion. So hmm. there are a lot of things going on in the background, and you know it's almost like why always Nigeria? You know maybe because we are not really conversant with what's going on in the Algerian media or the Senegalese media, media. so we don't really know what they're also exactly. saying about their own nationality. But I'm not but sure it is as chaotic as this for them. It's almost always issues and issues and I mean, issues. We, we don't even have a proper Afghan training camp. I mean we're, we're hearing reports of their meal diet and people were wondering do they actually have a nutritionist yeah, you know yeah, the kind of meals they were taking yeah, and it was <laughs> I mean I, I really have no problem with them eating the pounded yam right but then there should have been a structure yeah. Iwobi was eating bread <laughs> I mean you're going for a major tournament it's supposed to be a strict diet where yeah. if everybody's not on that diet at least most people be on the diet. are on that same meal diet you know where we are all working towards the same thing or having the same structure Goal, yeah. so it's it's really really interesting to see that people are just doing whatever it is they wished almost like you're here for a jamboree not to actually win the tournament and to consider the fact that we've not won since 2013 yeah i mean we missed two afghan tournaments in a row yeah and um, the last afghan we got to, we got a bronze, bronze. So it means if we a had golden just, bronze in the golden words of Ganetra. you know so if if we had just put a little bit of conscientiousness a little bit of hard work work together as a team with the crop of talent we actually had because between 2019 and 2021 there have been a lot of new guys really come on board yeah. who you know that these guys have talent you know mesh them together and we could really do something so it's it's really not nice to see how it's almost like we're taking a step forward to take two steps back and you know just like we did when we won the AFCON and then didn't qualify for the next it was almost like winning this bronze now probably next time we just get eliminated maybe in the group stages or in the or in the first knockout rounds which is ideally not supposed to be now would you rather Ganetra takes us to this tournament or the way it is right now the current situation of the Super Eagles I feel the current situation of the Super Eagles is just so messy I mean Ghana Raw has been with the Super Eagles since 2016 yeah the longest seven the longest and if if he has been with Nigeria since then not on the eve because his methods and everything would have been so ingrained in the players they understand what he wants what to expect from him so if everything has been 
tailored up until major tournaments ideally i mean you don't sack a coach on the eve of a major tournament i think last time a, a team that was spain and they were limited in the first round of knockouts by russia a team that a lot of people were really really not expecting to do much quite frankly so it's not something that should be happening you know sacking a national team manager on not exactly on the eve of a major tournament but then it's still very very close to a major tournament especially when it comes yeah, to, yeah. To, to nigeria because i mean what are the major tournaments we have after the afcon and the and the world cup they're, they're really none anymore yeah we don't have the conversion cup and even if they were the conversion cup you only win and the club competitions are not they are not that glamorous so it's, it's really not nice when you know the, the tournaments where you could really not only help your team but then are subsequently players because at the end of the day players want to win things so i think one of the reasons why the likes of victor moses could be convinced back in 2011 11 12 when yeah. he made that switch was because they felt they could really win something you know you looked around the squad there was Zemenike, there was mikel there was brandy day there was joseph yobu they were key Anazi. players in, in key positions who were yeah. really doing well for themselves and we saw it in that crop of guys because in 2013 we won the afcon in 2014 we had a long run a, a relatively deep run i think the, the round of 16 yeah. the deepest we've gone and we more than put up a fight so it was it was obvious that that squad was ready to do something together and with this current squad you feel like they can actually do something together but then let's let's get them all on the same page let's get them all doing the same thing they're all still young which is quite difficult because you don't find Nigerian squads that have the potential to really be together for the for long, long term. time. Yeah. So it's something that I feel like the NFF should have found an ideal, not only manager, but then someone who has been with them for the long term, even if it's just to end the tournament. So if you're, if you're getting Eguavon, and Eguavon has, has not even, even overseen a training session. Game. Not even a, a training session. His, his first game is uh, the, the, the training game, they played game, against yes. uh, Cotton Sports uh, for it's, the pre-half court really, friendly. Really and they are appointing a new manager. That That's uh, very, very sad for the Super Eagles. Well, before we go, let's look at it. In the absence of actual points men like Victor Osimhen, like Odion Iralo, you want to mention Taiwa Wunei. But at the same time, I or I predict or I say that most goals from Nigeria will come from the flanks at this tournament. And uh, it has started manifesting. Look at that. Uh, the friendly we played. Against Cotton Sport. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's Samuel Chukwueze <laughs> and Habmed Musa. And for the number one, I still have a lot of issues with Maduka Okoye being the number one for the Super Eagles of Nigeria. And uh, we've got... Uh, Daniel Akpoye and Francis Zohar, tough choices for the Super Eagles manager. Yeah, I, I feel like it's something that, just like I said, because Egwavon has not been with the team for a very long time. Although you know, obviously, so, it's a technical director. Technical observer. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not the same thing as being in charge, in charge, in full you know, charge, seeing them day in day out and being the one who actually coordinates the bulk of what it is they do and makes that selection. So you don't really want to tamper with things too much. The guys have been playing with, especially the defense, and I feel that's something also you don't really change heading into a major tournament unless there's an injury you know the goalkeepers and the defense generally has to be more or less the same you know they, they have to be they have to be guys who they've been together for a while they've worked together for a while so they understand mannerisms partnerships and all of that so yeah. you don't really change that heading into a major tournament so i feel like that's what Egravon wants to do he doesn't want to really chop and change too much when it comes to the heart of the defense and the goalkeeper you know just continuing from where so uh, the we stopped, should have maduka Koya as the number one in goal i feel like if 
it should be um, Francis Uzoho. If you're left in it, because I'd rather have Uzoho over Koye. And at, pay, at times, it really flatters to deceive yeah. when it comes to the despicable. But not just respect, well it's, a decent, it's a decent goalkeeper. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. He does well for, for his club right there in South Africa. And, you know, there are times when I watch him, I, I ask myself, why does he not replicate this form hmm. with the Super Eagles of Nigeria? Because you see him make some sales and you're like, this guy's actually top goalkeeper in the league. He plays in. And then he comes to the Super Eagles and it's almost like he's jittery, having a kind of like a mental block. And that's not what you want, you know, when it comes to a major tournament. Because really really tiny errors decide these games and you know if it's someone who cannot make that extra gear or who cannot give that extra mm, for, for his, for his uh, national team you don't want it ahead of a major tournament so i feel with okoye you don't really know what you get from him yeah because on the one hand inconsistencies he, he could, yeah yeah he could really be good but then i mean when when i've watched him in in the in the german leagues i mean he's not exactly what you want when you contrast it with what the Senegalese have, for instance, in yeah, Edward Mendy. All right, let, let me just put it on the spot as we wrap up this edition. Your top three. Um, I think it would be Senegal, Algeria, Egypt. Your top three. Yeah, Nigeria. Unfortunately, will... probably Nigeria will be semi-finalists. Okay, we can still get to the top three then. <laughs> <laughs> if we are semi-finalists, we'll be getting to the top three now. We were semi-finalists last time and we lost to the eventual champions. So that was a worthy loss. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe my, my top three will be Egypt, Algeria, Ivory Coast. Ivory Coast. That's that's a sleeper nation too. I, I I didn't really talk about Ivory Coast. Um, Ivory Coast. They have a lot of plethora of attacking options. They have a plethora yeah. of attacking options, and it's it's also going to be interesting to see how and they I can factor in Ghana too. All in. The Ayu brothers. I mean, the Ayu brothers. Are you kidding Thomas me? Pate. A lot of things were down that bridge. <laughs> <laughs> but I I really I, I'm really rooting for. Ivory Coast in this tournament. Ivory Coast, really routine for Ivory Coast. And we'll see how it goes. I hope we'll come back and I'll celebrate how my Ivory Coast has won the Africa. <laughs> 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 see, for, for Nigeria, um I'm of this school of thought. I've always said it. Blessed are those who don't expect. No, they shall not be disappointed. They not be disappointed. <laughs> so I'm not expectant. I don't want to be disappointed. That's about it for this 16th episode of the Scoreboard Podcast. Thank you very much for taking your time to listen. And thanks, Masha, for the analysis. Thank you very much, Odalu, and for the listeners. I hope you enjoyed listening to this as much as we enjoyed talking about it. Until next time, my name is Masha. I'll see you soon. All right. Uh, thank you very much. My name is Olaolua. Do enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm.